The following message was recorded at Shades Valley Community Church in Homewood, Alabama. For more information and resources from Shades Valley, please visit us at shadesvalley.org. So I invite you to open your Bibles to Psalm 51. Psalm 51. Uh, And as you turn there, um, in January of this year, I had a particular Sunday where near the conclusion of my sermon, I shared with you kind of what the Lord was revealing to me in my own heart and life, kind of what I've been going through. It's been no secret I've shared with you from the moment I first showed up at Shades that uh, mental health, specifically depression, has been a lifelong struggle of mine. Um, I've shared with you that I have been and am on medication for that. And in January, I shared specifically that for the better part of a year, I'd been in what I would call probably my third largest, deepest battle with depression that I've experienced in my life. Uh, That came to a head on January the 13th. Um, It was after that that I shared all this with you. And the elders stepped in alongside of my wife and the staff, uh, prayed with me, wept with me, um, and came alongside and formulated a plan. And we have been working the steps of that plan since that time. I share all of that with you to say, I, I shared this with the elders this past week at our elders meeting, and I feel even more confident in being able to say this right now at this moment. I think, I am pretty sure, I am in the healthiest mental health place I have ever been in my entire life. Um, I, yes, I am. And, and I, I share that because I don't, I don't, I share that for two reasons. One, uh, I don't just want to share with you when I'm struggling. Uh, we want to be open and honest about that. But I also want to bear witness to what the Lord is doing and how he's working just in, in, in my life through through the leadership here at Shades, through you as a body, there have been countless people who have prayed with me, texted me, called me, and and there are a lot of avenues at which we're coming through, we're coming at this thing, and um, and yeah, I'm just very, very grateful to the Lord for what He's doing. So I, I, I share it for that reason, but I also share it to preface the second thing that I'm about to share with you, and that is that this last week has been hard, um, not concerning mental health. Uh, Again, I'm in probably the healthiest place I've ever been. Uh, But this last week has been hard because uh, pretty early on in the week, I caused an argument with my wife. Uh, A fight. I caused a fight with my wife. And, uh, and then it was not resolved at all after, uh, after I caused this thing. And then I, I came to work the next day and uh, I began to study Psalm 51, which is David's great prayer of confession. And I just hardened my heart even more. And I dug my heels in even more. And I went home that evening, and I made it worse. 
And I continued to do that for several days. And I got to the point on Thursday morning I woke up and I had the immediate thought, I I cannot preach Psalm 51. I would be a complete and total hypocrite to do so. But simultaneously, alongside of that, the Lord convicted me. Yeah, you're right, Jonathan. You can't preach this psalm, but you can do this psalm. And you can lead shades alongside you to do this psalm. So I stand before you this morning. I've already confessed to my wife, God broke me on Thursday. He, he did verse 8. He began breaking bones. Verse 8 says, let the bones that you have broken rejoice, and I'm hoping that's what I get to do today. But I've already confessed to my wife we've had several really good conversations. And, but I want to confess to you this morning I can't always preach week after week. There are weeks that I can't, and some of those times it is because of sin in my own life, and this is one of those times, and I want to confess that to you openly and honestly. You, if you were not aware up to this point, have a pastor who is flawed, just as flawed as any of you, if not more so. I'm more painfully aware of my flaws than I am of yours. And I think that after all the Lord has been leading us through so far in our journey through the Psalms, I think that he has brought me specifically to this place this morning, not to preach this Psalm, but to have us do this Psalm. Over the past two weeks, uh, if you remember two weeks ago, I actually preached about confession. Uh, Psalm 32, the celebration of confession. And last week, Brad preached on lament and really challenged us out of Psalm 44 to bring our full selves openly and honestly before the Lord, raw, real, emotional. I want to take both of those things and lead us to do them, to come before the Lord this morning in openness and honesty and confession, being raw, being real, and prayerfully that leads us to celebration. So, here's the plan. Uh, I'm going to walk us through this psalm in three segments. In case you're wondering, I don't have any notes. All I've got is the the three segments. That's it. That's all. Um, So I'm just as curious to see what's about to happen as you are. But I'm going to walk us through these three segments, and out of these three segments, uh, lead us to pray together. So, segment number one, Psalm 51, we're going to go verses one through six. Each segment is divided into two pieces. This first segment, we get a summary petition and a summary situation. Summary petition comes in verses one and two. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant 
mercy. He hadn't even said what he needs to have, why he needs mercy to be had on him yet up to this point. He hasn't mentioned his sin. He hasn't confessed anything. His focus is squarely put upon God and his mercy and his love. David is praying this, and he's praying this after he was confronted by the prophet Nathan, after David had committed his most infamous and heinous sin, and his rape of Bathsheba, and his planned murder of her husband, Uriah the Hittite. That, putting it that way, is to clean it up. If you go back and you read 1 Samuel chapter 11, David piles wrong after wrong upon wrong. In chapter 12, he's confronted by the prophet Nathan, and he confesses, and this is the psalm that he has written in retrospect. But before even mentioning his sin, David knows because of what he has done, the only thing he can, he can, the only reason he can even ask to be forgiven is not according to anything that's within him. It's got to be according to the steadfast love of the Lord, according to his abundant mercy and then david asked blot out my transgression wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin this is david's summary petition this is the whole song packed into two verses this is what david prays it's what he longs for and then he unfolds for us why he gave us his summary petition and now he gives us the summary situation here's what's going on Verses 3 to 6. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. I think that we often struggle with verse 4. When David says against you and you only have I sinned, we're like, what in the world, David? You sinned against Uriah? You sinned against Bathsheba? You sinned against a whole host of people. And that's true. What David is saying here is not lessening the impact of his sin. It's escalating it. It's amplifying it. He's not toning things down. He's being more open and honest about what's gone on right here. When we sin against people, it's often very easy to minimize that sin. Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, almost every time he is mentioned in Scripture is, is called Uriah the Hittite. In other words, he's not a Jew. His ethnicity is tagged onto his name almost every single time he's mentioned. Why? It would probably be very easy for David or any other Jew to shrug off sin against someone like a Hittite. This isn't even someone who's naturally a part of God's people. Yet what's ironic is every single time the Bible focuses in on somebody's ethnicity, it is to subvert our expectations. David, who could easily dismiss this sin as just against a Hittite, all of a sudden has this massive recognition. No, this is a sin against God. Because even Uriah, even Bathsheba, Someone a king in that day and age could easily claim he had the right to take. This is, a, this is a son and daughter of God. These are people created in the image of God. I have not merely sinned against them, disposable, usable human beings. I have sinned against the one who made them and created them. I have sinned against God. David is 
showing us the magnitude that he realizes of what he has done. Therefore, he says, God is justified in his words, blameless in his judgment. In other words, God, you would be completely right to judge me. This is the situation that David is in. He's always been in it. Verse 5, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. In other words, I've been sinful since the day I was born. We can go back even further than that. In sin did my mother conceive me. He's not talking about his mother's sin. He's talking about his own. He's saying from the moment I was conceived, I could already be talked about as being in sin. We talk about uh, infants and babies as being innocent. And I know what we mean when we say that, but they are not innocent according to Scripture. I love what St. Augustine said. Uh, St. Augustine would say the innocence of babes, of babies, is in their limbs. In other words, if they could strangle you, they would. God makes them cute so that you don't kill them, and he makes them small so that they don't kill you. All parenting is is teaching a child not to be the way they were born. No, you cannot just lash out and take your anger out upon people. David says, this is my situation. It's always been my situation. And this is what's always been true about you, God. Verse 6, behold, you delight in truth and the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. In other words, God, you're not just sitting back waiting for me to mess up so that you can strike me down. No, you love what's true, and you show me what's true. You lead me in that way. I have rebelled against you. This is David's summary of his petition and his summary of his situation. If you were going to summarize your petition to the Lord this morning, what would it be? If you were going to summarize your situation, what would it be? If you were going to confess openly and honestly, what would you say? To begin our time in entering into prayer together, what I want to do is I want us as a body to offer a summary petition together. We do that each week. We do a corporate confession of sin. So that's where we're going to start. And this is just us coming together like David does at the beginning of this psalm and offering a summary petition. Lord, here's where we are. And then we hear an assurance of pardon, a summary situation spoken by the Lord. So I invite you to pray with me through the words that are on the screen I will read the part that says leader we will all respond together where it says people have mercy on us O God according to your steadfast love blot out our transgressions according to your abundant mercy wash us thoroughly from our iniquity and cleanse us from our sin hear this summary situation, this assurance of pardon. The Lord would be justified in passing judgment on us, but he has taken the judgment upon himself that we may be justified. Jesus Christ was born sinless that he might take the place of those born in sin. By his blood he has washed us, cleansed us, and blotted out all our transgressions. This is true for all who receive abundant mercy and steadfast and the steadfast love of God through
verses 7 to 12, we get an extended petition. Look at that summary at the beginning, and now David extends it. Purge me with hyssop. It's a branch. And it would often be used uh, to, to drip water in ceremonial cleansing. It's like being anointed with water. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. David recognizes the sovereign hand of God at work in his confession. God, you have broken these bones in order to bring me to this place of brokenness. This is the same word that's going to be used down in verse 17 to describe the sacrifices that God delights in, a broken and contrite heart. David says, you've done that. You've broken me. And he's praying, don't let that stay here. Let it have its intended and ultimate result to lead me to rejoicing. Shades, God doesn't break you to break you. Like a surgeon, he cuts to heal. He breaks you to bring you to joy. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. This isn't isn't David just praying for his sin to be forgiven for his own sake. He wants his relationship with the Lord to be restored. Lord, hide your face from my sins. Blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And again, he tells us why. For what purpose? For the purpose of the restoration of his relationship with the Lord. Verse 11, cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. In other words, don't send me anywhere and you don't go anywhere. Keep me here. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me. That's keep me. Hang on to me. Uphold me with a willing spirit. David gets gut-level honest in the midst of his confession. He extends it and opens up his heart, his dirty, broken heart, asking for it to be clean, asking for the broken bones to be healed so that he may rejoice. It's an extended petition. If you extend your petition, you open up, you get gut-level honest with God. Not not us just giving the summary petition, the summary confession as a body, all generally together, but if you get really personal, broken, honest about what's going on with inside of you, what comes out? David doesn't just extend his petition, he extends the summary situation he described. He moves beyond just describing the fact that he is broken and deserving of God's judgment, and he moves into describing the situation of where he longs to be, what he wants to be true. Look at verses 13 to 17. Then, in other words, after you do this work, God, of creating in me a clean heart, of breaking me through confession, restoring to me the joy of salvation, then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. In other words, David's not just in this for himself, in his own own cleanliness. He's in this because he wants others to experience this type of restoration as well. Your relationship with God is never just your relationship with God. It's never just about you. 
David prays that God will create in him a clean heart so that he may teach others so that they may return to him. David's been doing that now for 3,000 years through this psalm. For 3,000 years, David has been teaching sinners the ways of God's reconciliation and forgiveness and helping people to return to him. Verse 14, deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. David's aim here is witness and worship, and those aren't necessarily different things. They're definitely not disconnected. I want to teach others about you. I want to worship you. I want to show others through my worship how you can reconcile someone as broken as I am. Someone who's done everything under the sun like I have. I want others to see they can be restored to you. Brought back to you. David wants to worship and he wants that worship to bear witness to the world. Verse 16, for you would not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You would not be pleased with a burnt offering. What David's talking about right here is that God would not be pleased with him going through the hypocritical actions of formal worship with a heart that's dirty like it is currently. God would not be pleased with hypocrisy. David's saying, I could go to the temple, I could go through all the right actions, I could make all the right sacrifices, pray all the right prayers, we could sing all the right songs, Read scripture. We could do all the right things here in this place. David says you wouldn't care for a single drop of it. If I have a heart that is harboring sin, unconfessed sin, and not clean before you, which is why it goes on to say the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. No, he will take delight in it. Read Luke 15 and the parable of the lost coin and the lost sheep and the lost son. God takes delight when one who has sinned and strayed is broken and returns in repentance. He celebrates. This is David describing the situation he wants to enter into. Is that the situation that your heart desires this morning? I don't want to sing. I want to worship in spirit and in truth, honestly, not hypocritically. And I want that to bear witness to everyone else in this room and to the world around that you can save and heal somebody like me. And if you can do it for me, you can do it for anyone. I want to invite you right now into a time of extending your petition. I want to invite us into a time of individual confession. I'm going to ask John Mark if you'll just play. During this time, you're invited to open your heart before the Lord. You can sit Pray alone, just you and God. 
but maybe it needs to be extended farther beyond that. Maybe you are in a similar situation that I found myself this week, where my sin definitely was not isolated, but was specifically against somebody. Maybe during this time you need to go to someone in this room, have a conversation, confess. Maybe you need to step out and make a call. Maybe you haven't sinned against someone, but you need someone to hear you speak forth your confession. James chapter 5 tells us, confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. This is part of our being brothers and sisters in Christ is that we're able to break ourselves open, op break ourselves open and be honest with one another about this is my mess and have someone else come into that mess with us and speak the gospel into our situation. You're invited in this time of individual confession. Pray alone, seek out another, pray in groups. Let's just spend some time breaking our hearts open before the Lord. words. Christian, when you confess your sin, God is faithful and just to forgive you, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Jesus has washed you, made you clean, whiter than snow. He is renewing your spirit, restoring the joy of your salvation. He is holding and upholding you in this very moment. Amen. After David's extended petition and extended situation, he finishes by giving us his ultimate petition and describing his ultimate hope for the way all things went, the ultimate situation. Look at verses 18 and 19. Verse 18, David's ultimate petition. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. David's getting metaphorical here. Jerusalem, the city of God. Zion, the hill that it sits upon. Its walls were its strength. David is praying for God to build up, to strengthen the entire people of God. You see the progression of his prayer from starting with himself. Lord, I want to confess. I want to be healed so that I can then teach others, lead them in that way. And God, would that spread to all of you? This is my ultimate hope. My ultimate hope is that your people would be built up to full strength in full relationship with you, fully reconciled, fully knowing you. It's my ultimate petition. And he cries out for it to be met with this ultimate situation. Verse 19, then you will delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. In other words, 
when our heart is rightly broken and contrite and we have a true heart of repentance and faith, then, by faith, will a sacrifice be right and appropriate that unites us with you. David doesn't know fully what he is praying for here. He is aimed at an ultimate petition. He's praying for an ultimate situation, but he could not possibly know fully what he is praying for because what he is ultimately praying for is an ultimate sacrifice that will bring about the ultimate situation of ultimate peace between God and his people. He is praying for the fullness of God's plan to come to fruition in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who never had a bone broken so that our bones that are broken might rejoice. Jesus Christ, whose heart did not need to be cleansed so that ours could be. Jesus Christ, who took upon himself all of our sin, all of our transgression, all of our iniquity, so that it could be blotted out, washed clean, cleansed. Jesus saves his people through his sacrifice and the day will come when he will return to bring the work that he began to its full and final completion. Sin and sorrow forever gone. This ultimate situation that David describes will be true because of what Christ has done. This prayer of David in Psalm 51, it ends not with confession, but with a corporate longing. It ends not with a situation in which we need to hear another assurance of pardon, but a situation in which we need to hear an assurance of hope. David's prayer concludes with this corporate longing that we as the people of God would be able to worship truly and rightly as a witness to the world. And so what I want to do is I want to invite us into a time of corporate longing. A final time of prayer in which we can cry out as a body together, God, we long for we want to be a people who truly and rightly worship you. And we long for that to be a witness to the world. And then I want to speak over us an assurance of hope. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a time of open floor prayer. You can pray from where you're seated. Allow anybody can pray. Just a time of us praying together as a body, expressing our hearts, our longings to the Lord for what He would do in us as individuals, in us as a body. You're invited to pray together as the body of Shades Valley Community Church. As Brad comes to invite us to the table, shades here, this assurance of hope. These words are taken from the hymn, Come Thou Fount. O church, the day will soon dawn when we will be free from sinning and we will see Christ's lovely face.
Full arrayed in blood-washed linen, we will sing His sovereign grace. Christ is coming to make all things new and bring His promises to pass. Church, worship Christ, bearing witness until you are home with Him at last. Amen.